Amen. You made it. We are here at Walk Church. Thank you so much, worship team. Michonne, Julianne, the team, that was a powerful moment. Can we just give it up for our worship team in the house? Hey, honored that you are here in the house with us this morning. Uh, from our house to your house, honored that you're tuning in online. Uh, welcome home. I'm glad you're here. I just feel like that there are some people online right now uh, that you just need this moment to be encouraged. So can we give it up for everyone who's tuning in, who's making a way to be a part and figuring it out. This has been a difficult season, but I can feel that God is using the kingdom activity here at Walk Church as Las Vegas is opening up, uh, as the world is reopening. I just feel like God is going to do a new thing in our city, and I'm honored to be a part of it. So wherever you're at, I hope you're encouraged. Glad that you are here uh, this morning. Pastor Hayden and Nina, thank you guys so much for always having us, hosting us. My name is Joseph Gibbons. Uh, my wife, Kristen, and I serve as the lead planters and pastor of Favor City Church, Las Vegas. Uh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clap for that. Um, we are honored to be planting a new church in this city. Um, and one of the greatest honors of that journey is to be doing our apprenticeship season here uh, with our Walk Church family. And I just want to say uh, on behalf of our church, from the bottom of our hearts, that we cannot, we have not, we will not continue to be able to do this without you. Thank you for having a heart for church planting. Thank you for giving. Thank you for going. Thank you for praying. Yeah. <laughs> We celebrated our first ever baptism service this past Sunday. Yeah, it's awesome. And you know what? There were Walk Church members there faithfully serving and helping us all along the way. So we are better together. We feel that, Pastor Hyden. Thank you for making an investment, not just in this church, but in the kingdom and in my life specifically. Uh, honored to jump into this series today, Help Me to Stand. Um, how many, how many, you know, you, you, how many of you have been some, through something this past year that it's been hard to stand through? Anybody been through some difficult seasons? Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you probably were just too tired from everything that you had to stand through. Uh, but there, it helped me to stand. This has been such a great series. I'd love just a special shout out to Walk Worship in this series. Uh, that there's been some tools. I was listening to Standing this morning and we got to worship to that new song, we'll Hit Up Walk Worship on Spotify. Hey, that's not just something just to make some noise on the internet. That's a tool. That's a weapon to fight this battle, to keep you standing. Uh, so thank you, Vashon and Pastor Hayden, for writing those anthems. Um, we need those tools. And most importantly, we need each other. And most Definitely, most importantly of all, we need the Word of God. We need His presence in our life. Uh, but so often, uh, we, we, we get this mentality where we get paralyzed by fear. We get paralyzed by circumstances. And I think this morning is going to be a moment where we get to unlock where God wants to unleash you uh, into a new level of the battle. So uh, if you're ready for that, say, I'm ready. All right. Let's go. So we are jumping into Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we're going to continue in our series uh, standing. I'm so honored to follow so many amazing brothers who have, who have chopped up this word for us. George brought a great word. Uh, Pastor Ryan from Image Church. Pastor Dean. Uh, uh, 
right here in the house. And Pastor Mike brought a great word last week on the helmet of salvation. And so what I love about this scene, though, is this. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, is there's this scene that is set up that is speaking directly to the battle warrior, directly to the soldier. And there's this moment that I want us to just see if we can just physically get into this posture. But it's this, it's this soldier that is preparing for battle in a way that it's not just like they're flying, like warfare, battle. If you're in the military now, you understand that things have changed a lot, right? Like you could be flying a drone on the other side of the country and it's a little bit different. But it, right here, there was really not many contexts for battle other than hand-to-hand, intimate, close contact. So when a soldier would be preparing for battle, it would be like preparing for a fight. It'd be like preparing for like, if you've ever played football and you realize that, that moment where you're putting on your pads and you're taping up your wrist or you're, you're preparing for close contact where you can feel the sweat of your opponent. You can smell the breath. Come on. It, it is close hand to hand. Maki, it's like getting ready for a UFC fight. Like there's nothing closer than that where you can just feel the battle is coming. You are about to be close to your opponent that is after you. And so there's like maybe some, some anxiety. There's maybe some nerves. There's maybe just a moment where it's like, I don't know if I'm ready for this fight. I don't know if I have the right tools. I don't know if I'm prepared for this moment. And the soldier is sitting the night before battle in a moment of fear, anticipation, and worry And God comes to him and says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. I don't know if I have enough strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Not just half of it, not just a piece of it. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil is scheming. I was having uh, coffee with another pastor in the city this week and he was like telling me about just some ways that he's been attacked and he was like, not to blame it all on the devil. I was like, go ahead, bro, blame it on the devil. (laughs) I'm like, we'll we'll start a hashtag, blame it on the devil, right? He's after you. He is coming after you. He does have schemes. And the first step is understanding what those schemes are. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. A lot of times what ends up happening, you've heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people, right? We get wounded in battle and we start to turn the sword on our friends. We start to turn the the attention, the aggression on people. We start thinking that our fight is against a friend that hurt us. And really what Paul's bringing us into is realizing this moment right now, when it comes to your spiritual life, when it comes to this journey with Jesus, whatever grievances you have against someone, I don't know, this wasn't in the first service, but I just feel like God wants us to just start right here in this mind. Whatever grievances you have with someone, know that your battle is not with them. Your battle is not with them. Therefore, 
take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand against the day of evil. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation. As much as it is battle pieces, it's a game plan, right? This is how it's going to happen. These are the tools that you need to put on. But here's the tension in our life is sometimes I feel like that a lot of my Christian walk, I was equipped with all of the defensive weapons, but I understood very little about the offensive weapon. And so what my mentality shifted to was like, I just got to endure. I just got to say no to every attack. I just got to like withstand every hardship. I just got to endure things like, and there is an element of endurance and there's a strong element of defense. That's why all these pieces of armor are given to us. But this verse doesn't end with the foxhole of holiness, right? Where it's like, all right, now jump into the foxhole and just hide until the storm passes. That's not how this verse sins. Like he doesn't want you to be paralyzed in fear. He doesn't want you just to be like just standing there, just ready to take hits. See, even the shield of faith was designed to be able to move and to be able to absorb, right? And if we get so locked in on the defensive side and we don't explore this offensive weapon that we're going to jump into today, I would submit that we're not going to have the energy, we're not going to have the wins to count to be able to endure. Because defense wins championships, but offense still scores points, amen? <laughs> like somebody's gotta score a touchdown every now and then, right? Somebody's gotta get a bucket. Somebody has got to put some points on the board if we are going to win. And so there's an offensive weapon that I think that we need to grab a hold of Ephesians 2, 17. Here's how it culminates. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. This is like the first offensive weapon. This is the only offensive weapon that is given. And so we've got our helmet on, we've got our belts on, we've got the breastplate on, we've got our shield, we've got our shoes, we're ready to go. And then, now it's all those defensive weapons, and then we have the sword of the spirit. Shout out to Ray for hooking me up with this massive sword. We have the sword of the spirit. And here's the thing about offensive weapons. Here's the thing about deadly weapons is that you got to understand how to use it, right? I'm just going to be honest, like Pastor Hyden, I don't, this thing is heavy. If you came at me right now, like you could probably just, I don't know, like I wouldn't know how to use it. I don't, I'll probably even look awkward just holding it. Like I don't, I don't like know how to like, I don't even think I could swing it. That's just because I'm weak and I stopped working out. But like, you got to understand how to use your weapon. I'm from kind of the country in Alabama. Shout out to Alabama. And if you say roll tide, I'm going to get upset. War Eagle. Um, but I'm from kind of like, we, we, we lived on some land and there was some woods. So we, a common thing that we did, we shot guns. Like, uh, you know, and we hunted and all that stuff. And so my dad, I remember my brother and I, 
uh, he was taking us out one day to teach us how to shoot. Okay, so he gave us two, each of us had a 22 caliber rifle, uh, which is kind of a small rifle. And so we're walking out to the shooting range, like in this abandoned lot. And he's given us this point, like, all right, here's how you walk with the gun, walk with it across your arm, open the chamber, don't load it, uh, you know, blah, 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 always check it, make sure. And he's like, you know, like, like, you know, everyone that accidents happen with unloaded guns per se. So he's like always treated like it's loaded. And so we're walking like to the shooting range and my dad's ahead of us and we're behind him. And then all of a sudden we hear, and I was like, and we see dust come up and my dad turns around. He's like, what just happened? And we look now and there's this massive hole right next to my foot. And my brother's like, oops. And he's holding the gun and he's like, Johnny, that's not how you hold a gun. And he starts yelling at him, takes the guns away from us, right? He's like, y'all aren't ready to shoot this. Like, y'all aren't ready to take this seriously because he didn't understand his weapon, right? He's just walking around. He didn't listen to dad's instructions, fingers on the trigger, psh, almost shoots his brother's foot off. Like, and listen, I've, I've got other stories, <laughs> but you would question my intelligence and my ability to deliver, to deliver the word today if I were to go into those. But just suffice it to say, you need to understand your weapon. And if the sword of the spirit is the word of God, we need to understand the weapon. So let's understand it just a little bit. Number one, the word is our savior. Now you might read that and you say like the word is our savior, like what are you telling me? Like there's something just like magical about this book like that, like I can just like, you know, if somebody's like shooting at me or something, like it'll be like bulletproof or like how is it my savior? That might seem foreign and that would be okay if you felt that way because it is kind of a weird thing to say, but here's what you need to understand about the word. See, this is the written word. This is the written word, right? But the word of God is our savior because look, check this out. John 1 describes it like this. It says, in the beginning was the what? In the beginning was the? And the? Was with God and the? Was God. The word was God, word. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So check this out. Genesis chapter one, what does it say? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let the earth be full of creatures swarming and swimming. And there were creatures. And God said, let us make man in his own image. The active speaking nature of God is his word, is Jesus. Because check it out, verse one, verse two, verse three. Okay, all things were made that were made through him. Then verse 14, here's what happened. Here's what the word did when his creation rebelled against the creator, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's good, that's good news, that's good news. So here's what we need to understand about the word. And there's a word called, that, there's a Bible term that we use to describe what's happening here in John 1:14, which is the word incarnation, which means this, that God was incarnated. He became carnal, he became flesh. The word became flesh, he came to us. The word of God 
is God's voice stepping into humanity. This is God's way to reach into our lives. Okay? The word of God is his presence in our lives and in our world. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. So when Jesus was walking and talking on the, uh, in the earth, we were seeing the glory of God. That's what happened. The word became flesh. God himself became flesh. He's walking and talking and now we can give glory to that. That's why we have the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that give account to what happened so that we can now 2,000 years later look back at the word walking and talking and we can give glory because we see the miracles, right? We can give glory because we see the healing, right? We can give glory because we saw death come to life. That's why it was written down. And we have seen his glory, his glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The word is truth. And some of you here today, maybe somebody has used the word to beat you up. Somebody in here today, they use the word, you, you have a memory in your heart and you're not enjoying this sermon right now because you, somebody's used the sword the wrong way in your life. Somebody used it to drive you away instead of invite you in. The word is our savior. He's full of grace and truth, which means this. The word is not just information. The word is the transformation. The word speaks into your heart in a way that pulls you close, not pushes you away. That's how the word is our savior. Number two, the word is our guide. Anybody just need direction? Anybody like trying to make a decision right now? Anybody trying to buy a house right now? Come on. Like, like there's just nothing doing. Tackle for a loss, right? Like the word is our guide. We need a guide right now in our world. We need somebody to like get into the decisions with us, to move with us. Things aren't making sense. Second Timothy 3.16 says all scripture, all written word. When you see that word scripture, it means the written word. All scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The word's not always going to give you the, what you want to hear but it will help you understand and know that God is near. It will give you the teaching and the word that you need for the moment and the season that you're in. It's alive. The word was breathed out by the spirit of God and it was written down by the hand of man. That's what we have here in the word of God and it is our guide. Third thing we need to understand about the sword is that it is our weapon. The word is our weapon. The word is our savior. The word is our guide. The word is our weapon. It's something that we can use. It's, it's the offense. It's the offense of power that has been given to us as believers. The word is our weapon. Hebrews 4, 12 says like this. It says, for the word of God is living and active. Any two-edged sword that you can find, it's sharper than that. The sword is just an analogy. 
right? The sword is just like an earthly picture to give us an idea. It's better than that, though. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow. And it's discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the word is not just this archaic document that doesn't make sense in our lives. The word is living and active. And as we're reading the word, what it does is it speaks into our hearts. What it does is it it illuminates our circumstances. What it does is it reminds us that Jesus is our savior. It reminds us that it's faithful to be our God and it tells us that it is going to be our weapon. How many of you ever showed up to like a, you showed up, you felt like you showed up somewhere unprepared? Right, like you hate, maybe you've had that terrible dream where uh, you, you know you show up, as a kid, you show up to school and you're not quite dressed all the way. Anybody ever had that nightmare, <laughs> right? I've been there, I've had that night. I used to have the nightmare like as a, like in high school athletics that like I would like have this nightmare that I'd show up to a football game and not have any pads, like not have any of my stuff. I'd show up to a baseball game, I was a catcher and I wouldn't bring any of my gear. And they'd be like, Joe, you're supposed to catch in five minutes. And like, I have no gear. Like, what am I supposed to do? There was this fear of being unprepared, not having what I need. And if we find ourselves in a fight, we find ourselves in a battle and we don't have what we need, we're probably gonna catch an L, right? We're not going to be prepared. Jesus himself, as he was walking and talking, doing ministry, He took this season where he was going to pray and he was going to fast for 40 days. Matthew chapter four says it like this. It says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Some of you are in a tough circumstance. You're asking God for things. You're asking God for a child. You're asking God for a house. You're asking God for a new job. And you're in this season right now where you're like, I feel like I'm in the wilderness and here's what you need to know. Like the devil didn't condemn you there. Maybe the spirit of God led you there and you just need to know how to fight. The spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It's like the biggest understatement in the Bible, right? (laughs) Then he for 40 days, He was hungry, (laughs) he needed a bite, right? (laughs) Like, yeah, he was hungry, like physically, Jesus was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. If you are the son of God, the first thing the enemy's gonna do when he comes after you is he's going to question your identity. The first thing, that the enemy does when he attacks you is he's like, you show up to walk church, but are you really like, are you the real deal? Yeah, your, your family adopted you, your parents kind of, are you really their child? Did they really love you? Teenagers in the house. The enemy's gonna attack you with that. Are you really, like you show up to that place where that's your job, you show up every day and you give all you got, do they really value you? All the things that we wrap up in our identity, he knows that's a, that, that's a part of our heart that he's going to attack. So he's like, if you're the son of God. The devil knew full well that Jesus was the son of God. 
He didn't lack in knowledge. He was attacking where he thought he could exploit a weakness. If you're the son of God, prove it. Make those stones become bread. Which, like, that's a very real temptation being 40 days off food, right? Like anybody ever, you've just been starving. You're like, man, if I could just snap. And there's just like a pizza. That would be just amazing. Set of bellows, gluten-free. Come on, give me that... Give me that sausage that's super spicy. I never can say the name of it right, but like, give me some of that. Like, you could just snap and one of Josh Clausen's burgers are right there, right? Like, one of those just nice burgers off the grill. Like, I could just, no work, just say the word. And here's my food. Like, you've been there. You've been hungry. And he's like, if you're the son of God, prove it. Make those stones become bread. Make them become something that's filling for you. And then he says this. Jesus responds, but he answered, it is written. It is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's quoting the book of Deuteronomy. You see, you read Jesus' life and you see that he was in the temple from a young age. You see that he was spending time in the word of God. He knew it actually, he was teaching as a youth. Come on, shout out, walk youth, where you at? As a youth, he was in the temple and the people were amazed at his understanding of the scriptures. Like 412, don't let anyone despise you because of your youth. Come on, like that's where he was like eating the word of God and he was able to deliver it as a youth. So this was a pattern of his life. And so in this moment of attack, he said, it is written, man shall not live by, the, by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written. Now remember, this is Satan speaking. Now Satan's picking up the sword. It is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Here's what the enemy said, like, hey, look, I've taken you up here with this nice view. Vegas has some beautiful views, doesn't it? Like you go up like to Fox Hill Park in Summerlin, like there's a little peak up there where you can see the city or like up like towards Foothill area, you can get those spots in Henderson where you can just see the city, the beautiful, like you see the strip and then you see the mountains and when the sun up on Exploration Peak, he takes him up to this peak where he can see all of the city, the place where God has already promised he would have authority. And, and the enemy's like, and you know what? Most scholars believe that here's what the enemy was playing on right here. That he was planting the seed in Jesus' mind that like, if you jump down and angels save you right here in this moment, the crowd's gonna go nuts. They're gonna eat that miracle up. Like not, you can jump off a building and be saved. Like your influence is through the roof. You went viral He's playing to the pride. He's like, you could have, I'll give it to you right now. You could have it. And you know what? I'll even give you a verse to support it. The enemy will use God's word against you. He will. That verse that, that, you, have, that you have crocheted on the pillow that your grandmother gave you or you put, maybe it's Jeremiah 29, 11. 
Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And you may, your life may be sitting in shambles right now. You may not be able to see the f- hope and the future. You may be just looking at a mountain of debt. You may be looking at a job loss. You may be trying to get a new job as things are reopening. And for some reason, it's working out for other people, but it's not working out for you. And your marriage may be in shambles. You may not be able to, you're like, plans to give me a hope and a future. And the enemy's like, yeah, it, God must not really love you because he said that for his people, he's gonna, you know, like, plan, he has plans to prosper them. Your life's not prosperous. He has plans to give them a hope. You have no hope. And the enemy's using that word against you. But here's what you need to respond back with. And you need to understand, you know what? Jeremiah 29, 11 is not about this health and wealth. Jeremiah 29, 11 is about being able to see purpose in the middle of my pain. Jeremiah 20, and if you may respond to the devil, you might say, it is written. You know what else is written? In James chapter one, it says, I consider it pure joy when I, it, when I experience trials of various kinds. You say, it is written. Romans 8, 28 says that, well, you know what it says? Romans 8, 28 says that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It is written. He'll twist it. He'll twist it. He'll use it against you. And we got to know it to respond back. We got to speak it back. Speak it back to him. And find that verse he's twisting and dive into it and then just deliver it right back. Just deliver that shot right back to him. And Jesus said, again, it is written, verse 7, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. The devil will take you to places and show you other people's seasons that you're not quite ready for to get you discontent with where God has placed you. The word of God grounds you. It grounds you in that moment. He took him up again in that season. And here's what happened. And then, and he said, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. I will give you all the followers. I'll give you the best job. I will give you, uh, I'll give you the wife. I'll give you the house. I'll give you the kids. I'll give you everything. He's taking you up and showing you things that he may or may not deliver on. I'll give you all these things. And then Jesus said to him, I need to write, highlight, underline, put in a note in your phone, set as a daily reminder, be gone, Satan. For, and he doesn't just say get, be gone, right? Sometimes in my early Christian walk, I felt like oh, that's where I was. That's, that, that was the extent of my attack. Like, be gone, Satan. The rest of that wasn't there. It was just, be gone, Satan, like go away, right? Like be gone. And that was, that was the extent of what I had offensively. He says, be gone, Satan, for it is written. He had some ammunition after that. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He had ammunition. And I'm praying Matthew chapter four, verse 11 prayers over Walt Church this morning. It says, then the devil left him. The devil left him. 
I pray that's the story that's written on your heart this week. As you take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that it, and then the devil left him. Then the devil, le- I pray that you have a then the devil left you type of a week where you're able to walk through and say, be gone, Satan, for it is written, I'm gonna only worship Jesus. And then the devil left him. The reality is, is that we, by swinging the sword, you swing the sword when you're speaking the word. We're looking for some kind of offensive attack that, quite frankly, we're, you know what we use for offense? We use good works. We use service. We use like, we use like achievement. We use a new job. We use things that we can hang our hat on. That's not swinging the sword. You swing the sword when you speak the word. And you can only speak the word when it's in your heart. This word, how do we encounter the word? How do we use the sword? How are we ready ultimately for this fight? And I want to bring you in just a little bit to my personal routine. And I brought this chair out and I was going to bring my recliner that I sit in every morning, but like I used to get in trouble for falling asleep in church and I couldn't imagine what my mom would do. She was tuning in online. I fell asleep while I was preaching. Uh, But I brought this because every morning what I've tried to do is create this habit in my life where I remove distractions. We've been reading Atomic Habits with the Walk Staff. It's this book about creating better habits in your life. And I heard a word recently that, that led me to just claim this habit of like, I want to give my first 15 to God in his word. The first 15 minutes of my day. So what's crucial to that? Well, number one is having the coffee brewed. So I created a good habit for that timer. Amen. Shout out to the timer, to the delay brew timer. Uh, we got a few delay brew fans in the house. And because um, I can grab my cup of coffee. I can leave my phone in the office and I can sit in my chair and grab my Bible and give my first 15 minutes to reading the word of God. And so here's what, I, the first thing that we have to do, if you're gonna swing the sword by speaking the word, you gotta read it. They're like, come on, bro. I came for something more like complex than that. But like, are you? I know there's been times in my life where I'm just trying to work for it. I'm not reading it. You have to read the word. If you're gonna swing the sword by speaking the word, you gotta read it. So what happened the other, the other morning, I, I sat down and I'm reading through, I just crossed over into Exodus and uh, I'm kind of reading through the Old Testament right now and I just felt like the spirit of God because by the way, when you read the word of God, you're reading that with the spirit of God, right? He's illuminating the word, it's living and it's active. And I felt like God was just like, hey, I want you to read the Psalm of the day which it was the 27th day of the month. And he was like, I want you to read the Psalm of the day. So I was like, okay, like I was about to dive into Exodus, but I'll just, I'll just go over to the Psalms. Did a little sword drill. Anybody remember sword drills? We used to, I went to a Christian Bible school and as kids, they would like call out a verse and you'd have to find, it was called your sword drill. And they'd say, they'd say uh, Psalm 27, 11, and you like everybody scramble to it and then you'd like open it up and you'd have to say, wait, <laughs> you have to say the first word. And then when you say the first word, you win the sword drill. Anyway, 
I digress. So I, I, I pull up to t- Psalms 27 and I start reading it. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is good, this is good. And then I get down to the last verse and I had been in a season of the, or the past couple of days, I had just been really impatient in a lot of aspects of our life. Like wanting to buy a house in a specific area, wanting certain things to happen in our timeline. I was just not being patient. And I got to verse 14. It said, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. And I just had this moment, just sitting in my recliner, first thing in the morning, the kids aren't up yet, praise the Lord. And God was like, I'm telling you to wait. I'm telling you to wait. So I was reading the word. The second thing I want you to do to be able to pick up the sword is you gotta meditate on the word. You can't just read it and be transactional. Remember, it's transformational. Not informational, it's transformational. Is you need to meditate on it. And so here's what meditating on it looked like for me as I got to verse 14, wait wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord, wait. I'm thinking about it, I'm like, wait for the Lord. That means the Lord is coming. That means like, that means he's worth waiting for. Be strong. I always thought that waiting was weakness. I always thought if, if, you, if, you, had, if you had it, Vashon, that, that you'd be making moves, right? Wait for the Lord, but be strong. Let your heart take courage. Courage is being able to wait, is to be able to walk and to know that he's got your future. And so I'm meditating on it. And God brings another scripture to my, my, my mind, Joshua chapter one. And he tells Joshua who's leading God's people into the promised land. What does he say? Be strong and very what? Courageous. And I was like, oh. Joshua had that courage. Wait for the Lord, be strong. And what I'm doing right now is I'm taking you into my meditation moment. That it wasn't, it wasn't just me clearing my mind. You see, biblical meditation is not necessarily, maybe you empty your mind first, but biblical meditation is about filling your mind with the word of God. So I'm allowing that space, like he's worth the wait. And then I'm like, why does he bookend it like that? Wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. He didn't want me to forget. He wanted me to know that the waiting, that I can be strong, that I'm taking courage. I know that the Lord is coming, but I'm gonna bookend that by knowing that I'm waiting for the Lord to move and where he moves, I move. I don't get that if I don't meditate with the word of God. So you may be searching for an answer and what the Lord wants to do is actually just give you confidence. You may be searching for a remedy to your weakness and he wants to give you strength in the waiting and he's gotta remind you So build a habit to read, build a habit to meditate. And thirdly this, build a habit to memorize. Build a habit to memorize. One of the things that I love about the way that Pastor Hyde leads the Walk Church staff 
is right when I got here, I hopped into Walk Church staff meetings and we started memorizing God's word together. And one of the first verses after I got here, I really stumbled through Ephesians 2. That one was, or, or Philippians 2. I couldn't even remember the book. Uh, we got to Proverbs chapter 3. And I can remember, I have just several moments in my mind that I, can, I don't have time to unpack, but there's been several moments where God, the name of our church is Favor City Church. So we, we just, we want to be in God's will. We wanna see God's hand on his movement in the city. But there's a lot of things that times the enemy wants you to try to force favor. He wants you to force fruitfulness. In that verse, there's been so many attacks of the enemy where he's tried to make my heart anxious. He's tried to make me forceful. He's tried to manipulate me. And what I've been able to speak back to him is the word of God that we, remember, that we, that we memorized in staff meeting. It says, let steadfast love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of both God and man. Be gone, Satan. And in those moments, what I've been able to feel and see, this is not my strength. This is God's word in community is that the attacks of the enemy were disarmed. They were disarmed. Because there's been a lot of seasons in my life where I didn't have the word, I didn't have the scripture on my lips. I didn't have it. And you might be in one of those seasons. And I wanna tell you this morning that that's okay that you're in that season. That's okay that you're like, oh man, I don't know. Like you've been saying verses off the cuff. Like I can't do that. It's like, I feel that way when I, when I hang out with Pastor Hyden. He's like quoting verses like crazy. I'm like, bro, chill out. <laughs> like, slow down, man, I need to catch up. <laughs> but you know what? That, God didn't put him in my life. He didn't put that in my life to discourage me. He put that in my life to encourage me, to know more, <laughs> to have more on my lips. And so this morning, I wanna encourage you to put more in your heart. Spend more time reading it, meditating on it, memorizing it. And you're gonna be prepared for the battle. You're gonna speak the word by swinging the sword. And you're gonna have Matthew 4, 11 moments. And it's gonna read in your story, George. It's gonna read in your story. Carrie, Mario, then the devil left him. Then the devil left. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for encountering us with your word. Thank you for being the word. Thank you that when you spoke to us, when you spoke us into existence, that your word then became flesh and dwelt among us so that we could encounter you, so that we could build our lives on you, 
so that we could follow you, so that we could stand against the attacks of the enemy. And we didn't have to simply stand. We get to stand with a sword in our hand. And when the enemy comes, that we get to swing that sword by speaking the word. Jesus, thank you for the access to your word. This isn't a word that you keep for just people who are holy. This is a word that you reveal to people that are hungry, to people that are humble, to people that are broken, to people that are messed up. God, thank you for giving me your word. Thank you for giving me the sword to fight with. So Jesus, give us the courage to fight. Give us the courage to stand. It's in your name, the only name of Jesus we pray.